0: Hi, everyone. Just before we get going, I want to remind you that everything we talk about and discuss should not be considered as investment advice. The purpose of what we talk about on Catherine Maria Media and Markets on YouTube as well as Catherine Murray in conversation with on my podcast should be viewed as informational and entertainment purposes only. Please definitely do your own research, your own homework, and definitely consult an investment professional before making any investment decisions. And also to note, some of us might hold positions in some of the stocks uh, that we discuss Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Top 5 at 5. I think everybody's kind of getting to know what this is all about, which is we're going to try to bring you the top five uh, best investment ideas from each of our guests. And today we are joined by Mike Simpson, who's a portfolio manager at NCM, part of Cumberland uh, Investments, uh, $4.1 billion in assets under management. And, uh, and Mike focuses on dividend stocks. And I think, you know, in this world, uh, of uncertainty, you know, people still want to know that they're going to be getting their dividend checks in the mail. So uh, Mike, great to have you and, and to share your perspective with all of us today. So thanks for coming.
1: Thank you, Catherine. Great to be here.
0: Great. Um, and uh, what? why don't we first start, though, with kind of your top-down perspective? Um, you know, as 10-year yield above that 2% mark. Markets are down today. They felt a little bit better at the beginning of the the week? I mean, what's your view in terms of the overall picture here?
1: Yeah, view is that everyone knows we were coming through a once in a century pandemic. So there was a a, a lot of restrictions, a a lot of um, a a lot of demand that was, um, you know, stifled. So as a result, for the first time in my career, we're seeing um, issues with supply. Demand is still pretty good. Now supply for a variety of things from call it meat to semiconductors to uh, to other products is in short supply. Recently, we've had some, uh, call it um, uh, trade or traffic interruptions of our border, which is very important because Canada as a small nation trades a lot and our biggest trading partners, people should know is, is the US. So the view is, my, my view is we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're gonna need to rebuild inventories um, we're gonna to watch to see how well those inventories are, are taken up later in the year. We all know where inflation is now. The, the key question is where inflation will be at the end of the year. We think it'll come down, uh, but you know it may come down to levels that are much higher than we're used to. It may be down to the three and a half four 4%, which is still quite high. So within the portfolios, we wanna find companies that can raise price, and companies also that have um, good availability of, of workers and really have treated their workers well, so they're not constantly raising the wages of their, of their, uh, of their labor force.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when, when you do, though, look, you know, at, at the market and, and really see a lot of volatility, are you able to find some stocks that, and we're going to talk about them, um, you know that you, you feel really comfortable owning right now
1: yeah it's a good question so we're looking for at NCM companies that have pricing power uh, and also companies that you know couldn't withstand some shocks and companies that you know more more or less have treat their treat their treat their employees well so they're not constantly finding or replacing them or scrambling to raise wages but um, You know, in this context, uh, very much a stock pickers market, but I'm confident that I still am finding names and I run concentrate, I concentrate a portfolio of 39, 40 names. So I don't have to own 150 names. I could just own what I feel are, you know, the 40 best names out there.
0: Yeah, that's nice to have a concentrated portfolio. It actually, to me, has always made a lot of sense. Um, So let's go through a couple of your best ideas. What's number one on your list?
1: Sure. So uh, we'll start in Canada. Uh, Transforce, it's been around a long time. Uh, They've grown rapidly over the years through acquisition. Uh, One of the biggest acquisitions uh, last year was buying a division from uh, UPS. Uh, LTL stands for less than truckload. So because uh, UPS was just in the business of uh, transporting full loads, this division was somewhat, call it neglected. As a result, Transforce has the ability to um, realize some synergies, close some, uh, close some extra terminals, improve what's known as the operating ratio, so we like that as well. Uh, Transforce has the drivers, um, you know, they, they treat the drivers well, they have unionized workers both in Canada and the US, and more importantly, as I was alluding to earlier, Transforce has the ability to raise rates earlier in the year. Um, some analysts thought that, you know, the trucking cycle was over, but we still see strong demand for trucking services and then pricing is still very good.
0: Um, and what kind of dividend yield are we seeing on that stock today?
1: Well, uh, Transforce is is um, has grown their dividend over many years and because the price has gone up, uh, I believe, I'll just check to you, I, th- I think it's in the, yes. the 2% range. Uh, well sorry it's actually a bit lower one percent but what's key is the dividend growth uh, Transforce has, has grown their dividend over the last five years at 11 percent so you know quite a healthy yield and even with short rates going up 11 uh, percent compounding of your of your money of, of your you know your quarterly reward is quite good in our view.
0: Um, and what's the valuation on that stock right now?
1: Yeah, it's a good point because Transforce often gets comped against uh, US companies like Old Dominion or, or Knight Swift. So Transforce trades at about 14 times earnings, uh, whereas Old Dominion trades at about 22 times earnings and about eight times enterprise value to EBITDA. And like I said, they have the ability to raise price. They have the really ability to get more synergies and profit from the uh, UPS acquisition. So we think Transforce stacks up quite well uh, against, against the rails and against their U S trucking peers. Okay.
0: Um, great. Let, let's talk about another top stock for you in, on the dividend front. What, what would
1: sure. that be? So I'll, I'll go to one that's not really well known. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Booz Allen Hamilton, their consulting firm. Uh, they get about 93% of their business from the U S government. So think U S department of defense, Homeland securities, uh, various other security agencies in the U S so they're very big in, in cyber uh, which, you know, is, is a key consideration these days um, they have the ability to, you know, raise their dividend. They have, you know, it's mostly human capital. So they're good balance sheet that uh, does, mm-hmm. but 1.7 times, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a decent dividend yield and they have the ability to raise it. I'll just okay. get you, what their dividend yield is. Current dividend yield of about 2.36, but dividend growth is, is pretty good. And they also reward shareholders with share buybacks. So five-year dividend growth rate is 19%. So, you know, very, very strong, uh, a, a very good thing.
0: And what's the ticker there?
1: Ticker is uh, BAH, Bob Allen Hamilton. Okay. And um, days, there, was, yeah. there were rumors that this company might be, you know, acquired by another, but uh, we're not buying it for the takeover possibility. If that happens, we don't know. That's great. But we're just buying it for the re- very steady recurring revenue. Also a good backlog, which I didn't talk about, about $27 billion, So, um, you know, a good line in sight for work. Um, sometimes the analysts get hung up. The governments are sometimes take a little longer to pay, but yeah. A very solid company and been around since 1914
0: wow my goodness okay um you know I, before we go to the next couple of ideas uh, mike i just want to say as well you know in a rising rate environment you know dividend stocks tend not to perform as well because people can just put their money in a higher interest rate bearing product like like a bond that's not happening exactly today but but they do get a bit of a knock. I'm personally not worried. I still want to buy my dividend stocks. I want to own them for the long term. Um, but but just maybe weigh in on that.
1: Sure, it's a good point, and we do know that rates are going to rise. I, I don't know any consensus forecaster who sees rates staying where they are. Or, or but Ned Davis out of Florida did some very good research on dividend stocks. They're actually the um, best. Sector that performs well in a rising interest rate environment. So think some of the most uh, think some of the higher growth companies, the higher torque names that aren't profitable or just barely profitable, they will be hit hit they will be hit the hardest. Um, you know, a good example in Canada was the former largest company in Canada, Shopify. Um, from its peak, it's down more than fifty five percent. So um, you know that that's just what Ned Davis Research shows. So. The ability, what we call it, NCM, the dividend champions, that also offsets some of the rate increases. So, you know, I'm talking to you about Transforce raising their dividend, Booz Allen Hamilton, I've got a few other names, but the, the rate of growth of dividends is important. And also what's, we're gonna watch the end of this year, how quickly will rates rise? So the market can be okay with rate rises in a steady, consistent way, but if they rise too sharply, and that's what could cause some concern or constant consternation among market participants.
0: Okay. Um, good Good to talk about that. What? Um, let, let's talk about a couple of other names as well. What else is on your radar?
1: Sure. So a, a company based out of Ottawa, that just had their investor day. It's called Calion Group. They're a conglomerate. They have um, different divisions. Advanced Technologies makes um, equipment for satellites, the antennas. And we know there's a lot of um, satellites going Um, being launched for communications and other purposes. Um, They provide um, online learning. Um, They also provide services to the military with regards to simulation. And another company that's big into um, software, uh, cybersecurity software. So they recently bought a a company in the US, Computex. It should close in in March. So a company that started out small, uh, grew their dividend, Last couple of years, as they're making acquisitions and paying down debt, the dividend didn't really grow all that well. But now they're a larger size, about $600 market cap. They can resume their dividend growth and they'll still um, make acquisitions. So the the ticker is C, Charlie George Yellow, uh, trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And Hmm. current dividend yield, just about 2%. And,
0: you know, Mike, it's interesting to me, like, I don't think a lot of people know of that name.
1: That's right. Um, you know, there, there are more analysts covering it, but yeah. um, because, you know, there's still a knock on companies that don't have one clear-cut division, call it, for lack of a better term, conglomerate, but, you know, with, with the exception of the manufacturing division or advanced technologies, as Calian calls it, um, out in Saskatchewan, they there are synergies between the different divisions, between the learning and the software, uh, you know, and the, and the cyber, so Um, Not well known. Um, You know, there's a lot of indexers these days and a lot of passive indexers. So as Calian grows um, through acquisitions, they've proven very successful at making them and making them accretive. Uh, I've no doubt that uh, they'll attract more notice. And, and, you know, it's to my advantage because I'm buying it before it gets it before it gets well known.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So another one that you like, those intact financials. So one in the financial world as well. That's right. right yeah
1: yeah so one of the best um property and casualty insurers in canada um about a year and a half ago they made an acquisition of rsa rsa was a european player they primarily wanted the canadian division which you know they've got a they've got a dominant market share in canada but even with their dominant market share they're only at about 22 percent market share so they also with that Received some European operations um, in England and Ireland, also Denmark, but they've sold their uh, they've sold their Denmark operations. So really good operators. Um, during the pandemic, we were driving less. Um, you know, good good combined operating ratio uh, below 100%. Um, they also have operations in the U.S. A couple of years ago they made a small foray into what's known as specialty insurance where, where the margins are higher. So there's still room to grow in Canada, as I said, because until you get to about 37, 38% market share, the regulators they don't, you know, they'll they'll allow you to grow to acquire others. But mm-hmm. recently raised recently raised their dividend by 10%. And hmm. going back to 2005, so I guess that's about um, 16 years to oh. 2021 they've compounded their dividend at 11%. So uh, good balance sheets, um, you know, they're they're studying climate change, how it affects insurance. Um, I think the best management team in Canada when it comes to insurance. So I like this a lot and it, it trades at a lower valuation than some of the US peers. And they, you know, in my view, they can continue to grow and they're a good, good company. They gave some of their commercial clients and some of the hardest hit industries, entertainment, um, and restaurants a break during the pandemic. So they should start to get uh, some wow. of those premiums back, which is which is really fantastic.
0: Yeah, um, and nice that they work together because we heard so yeah. much about companies, you know, not working together. We heard some that did, but you know, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and uh, let, let's take a look at your, your last topic, which is Tidewater Midstream. TSM is the ticker, TWM, TWM.
1: Oh, yeah. Is ticker. yeah, so um, not well known. Um, TWM, um, Joel the CEO uh, works very well. So the, their base business is just providing um, midstream infrastructure. So think a company that's producing natural gas. Before that gas gets into a, a pipeline, it has to be it has to go to a, a plant a facility, which is known as a midstream facility, to take out the impurities, um, any hydrogen or methane or sulfur, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they also have a refinery in Prince George refinery. So they're getting into renewables uh, in, in a big way. Um, there's incredible demand for renewable diesel. So their plants, uh, sorry, their refinery in Prince George can blend uh, diesel with canola, so they get um, credits from the BC government. They're also into renewable hydrogen and they're also into renewable natural gas. And they've spun mm-hmm. out a sort of subsidiary called um, Tidewater Renewables which they own 68% of it. So this is an excellent company. Um, you know, it has a green angle, which is good. So with the, our existing carbon footprint, uh, you know, they're helping to to green it in, in a variety of ways. As I said, the renewable diesel, natural gas, and hydrogen. So, um, a- excellent company and, um, you know, as they pay down their debt, you could I could expect um, you know future dividend increases or, or even at, at the current price level, share buybacks. So I like this a lot and it, it fits well into our theme of this is a commodity that should do well and um, we're, we're happy owning it.
0: And sorry, what's the dividend yield on it?
1: Dividend yield of Thai Water, I'll just check. I believe it's 3%, okay. but I'll just check for you.
0: Okay. Um, And I guess, you know, Mike, there's probably people wondering, uh, 3%, okay, there's probably people wondering, like, why, you know, it's always interesting to learn about new ideas, right? Because there's a lot of people just talk about, you know, the bangs that we've heard about a thousand times, but, you know, that's still valid. Um, So I am going to ask you, like, what do you think about some of the um, REITs out there um, that are still offering a much higher yield,
1: yeah, I mean, we, we do have exposure to REITs. Um, going into the pandemic, we wanted to have exposure to what we thought were, were the best. So we own Granite REIT, which has <clears throat> great exposure to industrial. Granite REIT, which, which part of it, um, they, they still have some legacy assets. Were uh, Magna, who you're aware of, they had some real estate they spun out. So that, that was the genesis of Granite REIT, but Granite has expanded into the US and also Europe. Uh, very solid management solid ba- uh, solid balance sheet low payout and and basically however we emerge from the pandemic we're still going to want to buy stuff at our convenience online so the need for industrial space is, is quite high and given how cities develop there's a lack of um, a lack of industrial space so this plays into to what granite does um, hmm. and, and we, we've seen some of the private equity um, uh, you know, Blackstone and, and others just buy huge portfolios. So I think this bodes well for, for Granite REIT. And, uh, you know, given their strong balance sheet, they don't, they don't have exposure to floating rate debt and low payout ratio. Uh, any any interest rate increases, which in my view won't, won't be that large, they'll be able to withstand
0: Mm hmm. Um, and, and just to kind of leave it off here with um, your outlook for interest rates. I mean, you know, now I think everybody's assuming we're going to see it in the United States. Yes. Originally, it was going to be three rates. Now I think people are talking about five rates. We'll see um, BOC meets, I believe, on March the second, right. um, you know, you know, get ready for liftoff there right. uh, in terms of raising the rates. Um, you know, what, what do you really think? I mean, it's hard to know for sure um, in terms of how many times it can actually raise rates, how many times they should raise rates. Hopefully, the central bankers around the world don't cause a recession. UK saw their highest inflation rate in 30 years the other day. So, I mean, h- how much of a risk is, is that as well in the equation or, or do you think it's just gonna be a couple times that's enough and then we'll, we'll settle into it?
1: So that's a good question and it's a key question because we've seen, as you pointed out, inflation rates high all over the world. Canada, fortunately, has an inflation rate slightly lower than the US, but on March 2nd, we believe the Bank of Canada will raise rates, in my view, 25 basis points. But once that happens, that's the start of a new cycle. So what's different this time, uh, you know, always dangerous words in the investment world, this time it's different, but there's a lot of debt that's been built up. So I think that may be an upper limit as to how far rates can go. But my thinking is at the end of the year, we could end at one or 1.25%. So if we end at 1.25%, I mean, that's basically where we were uh, before the pandemic. So people people are companies that are highly levered or companies that are exposed to floating rate debt um, and haven't done their homework. You know, they have, they're scrambling now. So... At the end of the day, we will get some rates. It'll be interesting to see later in the year um, if there's greater labor force participation both in Canada and the US, and if inflation comes down. Uh, I'd like to be wrong in saying that the base we exit inflation at maybe 3%, but I'm a bit higher at three and a half to four and a half. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. And there's also macro events, you know, which you're aware of what Russia does with Ukraine or what China's intentions are with Taiwan, so we'll have to watch those. But um, you know, more or less, we're going to see the economy unfold, and as as we get into spring and warmer weather, you know, we're going to see a normal decline in, in cases of uh, respiratory disease, which, which happens. So I would expect that to happen too to the various variants or or uh, strains of Omicron, et cetera, et cetera. So. Um, you know, I'm optimistic about the spring and summer, and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully things can get back and, you know, the, the supply chain can be normalized, although, you know, the supply chain, they're, they're doing their best, but demand is remained remain strong. So supply chain will actually benefit from a little reduction in demand.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Mike, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us, your thoughts and your top five That's
1: awesome. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.